Welcome, everyone. This is Rescalzo, Chronicles of the End Times. It's good to be back with you after a little sabbatical. And uh, we're going to look at some very interesting things over the next couple of months as uh, we approach closer and closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, his kingdom on earth, a glorious and extremely exciting time. Well, it's good to have you with us today. Today we're going to be looking to Genesis chapter 18, and some of you may be familiar with that. And in Genesis 18, uh, the scene is set uh, where Abraham is camped out. He's got his tents, and he's got all his people and herds, and on and on with all the wealth that he had accumulated to that time. And he was at the trees of Mamre. And uh, there is even a place today where you can go and see what they believe is the place where Abraham met the Lord and the angels to discuss the situation with Sodom and Gomorrah and also the promise to Abraham and to Sarah. And uh, there is a a little bit of uh, folklore or, um, I don't know, tradition or whatever you'd like to call it, um, that a long-standing tradition is that the Oak of Abraham, or uh, the tree of Mamre, uh, will die before the appearance of the Antichrist. Uh, the main oak trunk has actually been dead since 1996, but in 1998, a root sprout appeared. So that's a little interesting piece of information that may have absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with the coming of the Antichrist. But uh, I ran across that. I thought it was was interesting how these little tidbits of tradition come down through the ages and uh, people hold on to them. And uh, who knows if that could be uh, true, but it's certainly not something that I would uh, bank on or uh, <laughs> cross-reference to Scripture because you won't find anything. Uh, but today, the more important part uh, and certainly what we want to get to today is the heart of God through prayer and how God leads you and I to pray and how he wants us to move his hand and to feel his heart through prayer and to be intercessors and not just to pray for things that we need and our families, which is all good and we all should do it but to really get to the place where we're in prayer and we feel the heart of God. We feel his pulse. Uh, We feel what he feels. And he begins to direct our prayer life in that direction to bear much fruit and to give him glory. So here we find Abraham sitting under the oaks of Mamre. And we see that he sees these men walking towards him. And it's interesting to note that Abraham realizes right away that these aren't just his neighbors or some travelers or sojourners that have happened upon him, but these are actually angelic beings. And in this case, he recognizes one as the Lord. And he begins to welcome them and prepare food for them and wash their feet, which is 
Uh, as many of you know, it was a custom in that time, especially when all they wore was sandals and the uh, climate was hot. It was very customary to, you know, wash the feet of the visitors and uh, make them comfortable. And so here Abraham is doing all that. And we find that these two angels that accompany the Lord are on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're on their way to actually inspect it and see if it's as bad as the Lord perceives that it is. And if it is so, they're going to destroy these cities. And so we see today in a society that we live in, we can draw a lot of parallels. Many of you can think about the moral status of where we are in America and the world today. And there is a lot of problems uh, with the moral situation. We know uh, that sin is running rampant in every form, you know, not just in one particular type of sin, but sin is running rampant because people are leaving the equilibrium. They're leaving the, the solid ground of Scripture and no longer believing that well, that really matters, or that really is so, or fact. Now it's conjecture and theory, and we can really live any way we want to live and say whatever we want to say, and as long as we're not, quote, hurting anyone or breaking any laws, all is good. But those of us who follow Christ know that's not true. We just finished a series at our church at Searchlight Church, where I fellowship, on follow. And uh, interesting, uh, you can go to searchlightchurch.com and check out some of those things. Uh, very cool. And teaching about following Christ and that we're all sinners and that we all need to follow Christ and that in following Christ, we get closer to him and that God doesn't want perfect people but he just wants all of us to look to him and begin to follow, even if we don't believe everything that we should believe or he desires for us to believe at the time. And as Christians, we need to know that we're on level ground. No one is better than anyone else. It's just that some of us have decided to follow Christ. And in that following, we've been getting closer to him and we've been trusting him and learning from him that his word is true and that we should follow it. And if we follow it, we will be blessed. So we can draw a lot of parallels between Abraham's visit with the Lord and these two angels and what is about to transpire in Abraham's time where these two cities are vile in every way, not only sexually, but they are violent and bloody and they are just very corrupt cities. And so much so that we find out that there's hardly anyone there that is doing anything that is right and good. We often uh, think of this as, you know, God's wrath, and he's out to get all the sinners. But in reality, that is not what the Lord is conveying here. In fact, why would he stop and tell Abraham all this stuff? Why didn't he just go take care of business? And the answer to that is because he wanted Abraham to feel 
his heart. He wanted Abraham to know that he didn't have any joy in destroying these cities. He wanted to spare the cities. And so he begins to tell Abraham this, and Abraham, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the relationship that he has with the Lord, and because of Abraham, who he's become in his heart, he begins to cry out to God. He says, well, you know, hey, Lord, you know, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this. You know, suppose there's, you know, there's 50 there, 45 there, or 40 there, or 35 there. And he keeps going on these numbers, and he keeps lowering the numbers. He says, you know, uh, far be it from you, you know, to treat the righteous and the unrighteous the same. You know, you're not going to wipe out this, these cities if there's righteous people in there, are you? And he's, he's talking with the Lord and challenging the Lord. And from the outside, it seems like he's wheeling and dealing with God to try to convince God about this. But that's far from the truth. What the Lord is allowing Abraham to do is to feel his heartbeat. And now Abraham is beginning to think like God. And God is inviting him in to his inner circle. And Abraham's got it down to the point where he says, what if there's 10 good people there? What if there's 10 followers? What if there's 10 righteous ones? Are you going to destroy everything? And the Lord said, I will not. If I find 10 righteous in that whole, you know, cities put together where there's thousands of people, If I can just find 10, I will spare the cities. See, that's the heart of God. That's intercessory prayer. Abraham was drawn into God's circle, into his heart, and Abraham began to think like God. And God allowed Abraham through his prayer and through his questions and through his bargaining to begin to sense that, hey, you know what? God doesn't want to do this either. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, the Lord says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? As Christians, we need to understand this. In the world in which we live, this corrupt world, what is our duty? What are we called to do? We are called to be like Abraham to pray. And as we pray, and we may not agree with everything that's going on in the world, and we always say, oh God, when are you coming back? I put an end to all this. But that's not our decision. What God wants from us is to begin to pray for people. Pray for people who are in need. Pray for people who are are far from him in mind and heart. So let's together work on that. Let's work on instead of wanting to see the end come so quickly and everyone punished for their deeds, remember that we were among those who need to be punished at one time. And we need to pray and intercede that as long as God gives us more time, that we will reach out to more people and we will pray for our relatives and our friends and our neighbors, that they would have a true revelation of who God really is, not who they think he is, but who he really is, loving and compassionate. And yes, the end is coming swiftly. And yes, there will be a judgment. The Koran speaks about it. 
The Old Testament speaks about it. The Jewish people believe it. Christians believe it. We see it all through the Bible. Many religions, even false religions, those who are really out there with what they believe, there's always a judgment day in all pieces of literature to do with religions of every kind. There's always a judgment day. Yes, it is coming. But let's pray that more and more people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and give their hearts to God before that day comes. Thank you for being with me today. And I hope you've been enjoying Chronicles of the End Times series on the podcast. And I ask you also to check out On the Edge of Time, a two-part novel about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Written from the Jewish perspective, I think you'll enjoy it. God bless. Talk to you soon.